0: Dude had hair growing all the way down his back and all the way around his neck and he was a hairy man and he sang bass. He could sing low. But he had a big smile. My uncles could smile, they loved to laugh. Had one uncle, he died at fifty two of colon cancer. He had served in the Battle of the Bulge. World War Two. He was that uh, character—he was a farmer. They grew winter wheat, and then after that, they burn off the field. They grew uh, beans. They grew cotton. They, different times, they grew different things. But Uncle Charles—he loved to laugh. He'd get to laughing, and I would get to laughing. I sounded like Woody the woodpecker, and he—he he sounded like just a just a full belly laugh, you know. There's nothing like laughing, getting a real laughter going. We need a dose of Rodney Howard Brown, don't we? Get to laughing, we'd have us a laughing revival. Amen. Anyway, we're talking, this is part three, about the lies that Satan uses against you and I. And this is actually, the first week was an introduction. So, so this is the second lie that we're going to talk about. And the second lie is when the devil says, shame on you. Do you remember when you were growing up, your mom or your grandmother or something say, shame on you. Boy, I tell you what, there wasn't a worse feeling than having your grandma tell you, shame on you, Kevin Dwayne, Mackinolte, you know. Pastor Ken, she swore she didn't remember it, but his mom washed my mouth out with soap one time. She did? Well, I didn't remember that. Well, I don't know what you said, but all I said was darn, you know, just a byword. I got a mouthful of soap for a byword. It wasn't even a cuss word. So... You know, our family didn't even like bywords back in those days. They were just substitutes, you know, for the real thing. So, anyway, but shame on you, you know. Some of these politicians, people need to tell them, shame on you, you know, for what they do and say and everything. i tell you what, it's almost comical to watch them spar back and forth when they're having these committee meetings and they're calling people in to testify and whatnot, And, you know, it's almost like they got their hand caught in the cookie jar, you know, with all that they say. But this is the second lie that the devil tries to get over on you. In Romans chapter 8, we're going to look at verses 37 through 39. And it says there, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. He didn't say a few things. He said in all these things we are more than conquerors because he loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. There isn't anything that can separate you from the love of God. Isn't that wonderful? nothing that you've ever said or done, you know, people may bring up things from your past or even your present, but if you're truly repentant, not just sorry, a lot of people say, I'm sorry. Don't you know that? You'll talk to somebody, oh, I'm sorry. But they they then they don't act like they're sorry then it makes you want to say, you are sorry. You are sorry, rascal. But when you're sorry and you want forgiveness and you turn around and go a different way, then there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. There's not a demon in hell or on the earth Man, those demons operate all over the place, I'm telling you. They're real, too. I've seen some of them act out through people. And, uh, and I don't know if you all see, we drive by 5th Street and Pine Boulevard, which is Business 60, you know, through town by the Rogers Theater. But when you get up at 5th Street, where it crosses, sometimes there's, is it a gal? I think it's a lady or a young woman. Dancing real wild. I mean, she's like, there's no rhyme or reason to her dancing. But she sure is a spectacle. I'll tell you what. (laughs) And then, you know, and I'm not making fun of people. But we see people walking along the side of the street. And they are on something. I saw, we saw a guy last night, we were on our way back from Whiteley Park watching Avery play soccer. And this guy was lost as a goose in a hailstorm. I mean, he was sweating, talking at the air, you know. You know, there's some stuff that will make your skin crawl. And I told Lucy, I said, his skin is crawling right now. He's swatting flies or something. He's trying to swat something away from him. And so sad. These are human beings that God loves and wants to free and bring into his kingdom. But they have got to a place where they're, they're past being ashamed. They're just They just got to go from one position of being lost to another, you know one high to another high. I know a lot of people in here have experienced things. But once you experience the freedom you have in Jesus Christ, that other stuff does not compare. It cannot satisfy you. Nobody can satisfy you like Jesus and his presence. There's just something so wonderful and peaceful when his presence is there. And that's for sure. But see, nothing can separate us, but the enemy wants to tell you certain things. First of all, he wants to say, you are worthless. That you're not valuable. Nobody cares about you. And that's the second thing. No one loves you. He tries to convince people that nobody loves them. Why should they love themselves? And it's sad, and we understand and we know that sometimes people have been disappointed by their families. You know, uh, I talk to people regularly and they tell me their stories and and thank God for families that sometimes adopt people. I was talking to a young man in, He got adopted. He was chosen before he was born. His mother wasn't going to keep him. But the family chose him. It didn't matter what race he was because he was interracial. It didn't matter what he might going to look like when he came out of his mama's womb. They chose to love him before he was born. God loved us before we were ever procreated in our mother's womb when that sperm went up the birth canal to meet the egg and conceived us. And we became an embryo. And then we became a living being, a human. That's why I can't wait to get to heaven one day and meet my two kids that were miscarried at about six or eight weeks. I don't remember how many weeks long you were, honey. But there was two of them between Alicia and Nicholas, and they were created beings. They were living souls. So even though they weren't born, and she had to have a DNC or whatever you call it to clean out the womb, you know, they were humans that went to heaven, and they're there now. How many of y'all got somebody in heaven like that? Amen. Some of y'all had miscarriages. Yeah. You didn't, but one of your wives did. Yeah. But anyway. (laughs) And uh, I'll never forget. There was a girl, when Roe versus Wade first got passed, there was this pretty girl in high school. And I took her to homecoming in my junior year, I think it was. Some of the basketball guys dared me to ask her to come to homecoming with me, so I did, and she said, "Yes, Nelson. Can you believe that? This pretty girl said yes, and she went with me to homecoming, and I opened up to her, and I told her a couple of my poems that I wrote. you know as the day breaks in the eastern sky, he rises up, so Like the sun, he rises up so high as the day grows longer every hour. I feel God's love and I feel his power. God's love is so kind and true. And I don't remember the rest of the words that I wrote the poem. But it was a good one. It's been a few years. But, you know, she had been through some stuff. And then I saw her years later. I came home from college and I was working for I think is Key Drugs and I was running errands for them, taking medicine to people at their houses and stuff and then they had a station where you wrap Christmas presents and they let me work at the Christmas wrapping station. That was really something. I had to learn how to do it right. But I remember doing that and she came in and I saw her. It had been years. I was like a sophomore junior in college she was a year younger than me and she had already moved down somewhere in Arkansas and I don't know if she was married yet or what but she had had a couple of abortions and her heart was just broken you know her life was broken and I felt really sorry for her I didn't ask her to marry me or anything. You Feel that sorry for her, you know, try to, you know, bring her in the fold that way. But I talked to her about the Lord and she said, you know, I've started going to church now where she lived. It was a good, you know, I had a good conversation with her. But her life was broken. A lot of people are broken, and the devil tries to say, shame on you, to where they won't lift their head up. You know, they feel less. And God doesn't want them. He doesn't mind you encountering your pain because some people won't change unless they embrace the pain of going through their trial. He will still allow that, but they need hope that they're going to come out of it and that they've got hope to live. So, The first thing is he says you're worthless. The second thing he comes along and says, well, no one will love you. And the third thing he says, you're a sinner. And he wants you to blame everything in your life because you sinned. What's the Bible say? Romans 8. Therefore now there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. It's never Jesus and the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, that condemns you. He will only convict you, which draws you to Jesus Christ to repent of your sins and get close to Him. You know, I watch my kids. I watch Sean and Alicia with Judah and, And he's quite the little corker, I tell you. He's all over the place. And then she has to get on to him. Sean has to get on to him. He cries. He makes him stand over against the wall and time out. That's just horrible, you know. And maybe they spank him. But then he comes back and he he says, if you want to get off there, you've got to say you're sorry. He comes back and says, I'm sorry, Mommy. I'm sorry, Dada. And she hugs him and loves on him. He just feels so good to be forgiven and hugged and loved. And I think we all are like that. But the devil wants you to stay in your mentality of thinking as a sinner. But you were you a sinner who was saved by grace. You know, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not a drug addict. I was a sinner, but now I'm saved by grace. That's who you are. You're a child of God now. He doesn't leave you in your alcoholism. He doesn't leave you in your drug addiction. He won't leave you in the other addictions that you could have in your life, the other failures. But He saves you by His grace and His mercy. He doesn't apply mercy. He applies mercy... To that area because you don't deserve it because you deserve punishment. But He gives you mercy instead. And He gives you grace so you can put your faith in Him and you can become a new creature, a new creation. Fourthly, even the devil will say, even God doesn't love you. Why would God love you? You're nothing but a failure. All you do is mess up. Well, you don't have to. You let Jesus in and let the Spirit of grace cut those ties from the enemy's hold. And you can stand on your own two feet and you can be free. You know? Anyway, Hebrews 11.31, it says, By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. Man, something happened to her. She was a harlot. She was a call girl. But she, when she saw the spies, the Holy Ghost was working on her. And she accepted them and hid them. And then let's look over at James 2.25. It goes along with it. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? See, she didn't know she was going to get anything out of it. She felt prompted by something. She didn't even know what the Holy Spirit was. Jesus hadn't even come yet. I mean, he manifested in many different ways and the holy spirit did works in different people in the old testament to where you knew they were men of god or women of god but she stepped out and took a chance to help them and so when they marched around jericho and all those walls came tumbling down they were they were big enough to race chariots on top of them they were houses in the wall And they were big. Well, they were crushed like they were hammered down, down into the ground. And God would never let them dig that up again. They tried. And the people who tried to dig it up, you know, there in Israel, they died. So they they knew, let's leave it alone. You know, the Bible said, the Old Testament book said, that nobody would ever be able to dig those that up, that city. So they built a new Jericho. And Man, I went down there and saw the fruit. They had ugly fruit. That looked like a big grapefruit, about like that big, and it was all gnarly looking. I bought one of those, took it back to the hotel. And it was like, you know, a grapefruit slice, like big as a cantaloupe <laughs> slice, you know. But, uh, and they had grapes big as a plum, just everything, just just crazy like the spies that saw, you know, milk and honey, and the fruit was so big, and the two, Joshua and Caleb, they said, hey, we can take it, the other ten, no, they're too big, the giant's in the land, but anyway, she was salvaged She was one of the worst of what you would call in society. She gave herself to men for money. But you know God can deliver somebody that's done that and can set them free and can make them like they're brand new. And how wonderful that is. But we go on and we see the fifth thing is The enemy targets others even as he comes and accuses you. So see, if he came after Nelson, he'd also try to come after his brothers, his mother, his son, his daughter, all of them because he hates Nelson so much. If he came after Helen, he'd try to come after his family too. If he came after me, he'd try to do something to disrupt my family. And you know what? He'll look for a weak link. Some weakness that he can exploit if he can. That's why you got to pray and cover your fam- family with prayer. And pray that the blood of Jesus is sufficient for every sin and every care. And that the grace of God is sufficient for every need. We see John 8, 4 through 8. See a story there. They said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Well, first of all, I'm wondering what were they doing in somebody's bedroom to begin with? That's pretty bold to go into somebody's house, go into the bedroom and see what somebody's up to. They just were guilty of trespass there. But she was caught in the very act. See, they were trying to catch Jesus. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say, Jesus? And this they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Now, some people might think that he was writing their sins on the ground. And then maybe when he stooped down again, maybe he started writing their names. And he said, go ahead. If you're without sin, go ahead and throw the first stone. And, of course, you know the rest of the story. They all walked away and dropped their stones. He told her, she said, well, basically, what uh, what is going to happen? He said, well, where are your accusers. They're not here anymore. Go and sin no more. Man, isn't the grace of God powerful? I mean, you could be caught in adultery and then in the next five, ten minutes, Jesus has already forgiven you and sent you out. Now, you're not to try to go out and do that and then try to get off every time. You know, that's not the way to go. It's a good way to get shot. Luke 11.20 says, But if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. He's making a point because they were trying to say he cast out devils by Be- by Beelzebub by himself. He, you know, that he did it by the devil. He basically said, "The devil don't cast out devils. Now he wants to send some more in there." But he said, "If I cast them out by the finger of God, look out." He said, the kingdom of God has come upon you. I tell you what, he had the answer for any question or problem, and we have the answer. doesn't matter what it is. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit can give you the insight that you need to do and say what you need to do and say. You know, I don't put anybody down. Zach took classes in getting his master's degree on deliverance. Whole books of powerful men, women of God. I've read a few books, but I never read a book how to cast a demon out of somebody. I'm sorry. It happened when I was young, and I did it for self preservation. (laughs) I learned on the job how to do it the Holy Spirit would speak to me that's why I was so glad Zach kind of gave that little extra insight about the binding and loosing you know he was sharing how in the body you bind to each other and you loose and such but also in Matthew 16 he, he was talking about the keys of the kingdom of God to bind and to loose and to deal with your enemies too and uh, I shared with Zach one night. I said, "You know, when that little gal in House Springs that had several demons, fell out in the spirit, she was about four foot nine or 10. She didn't weigh over 95 pounds. took four grown men to hold her down, her two arms and her two legs. I'm talking about one of them was Bobby Rothersberger. He weighed about 225. And he owned his own gym. He lifted weights. He bench pressed like 450 pounds. It took four men, four grown men, to hold her down. Did you know demonic forces have supernatural strength? That, And you wonder, well, how does that work? Well, he, the devil can use your adrenaline just like God could use it. I had a young lady up there that was babysitting, and a kid went and got slid under this car that was you know it looked like the car was going to crush this kid that young girl that was five foot three and about 120 pounds went over there and lifted the end of the car and the kid got out she was in that church we had a lot of supernatural stuff like that happen up there but i didn't know what i was doing that girl's eyes went like snake eyes looked at me i looked at her I knew I wasn't looking at her. I was looking at something very evil. And it mocked me. I said, you've got to come out in the name of Jesus. And it laughed. Ha, 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 I said, you got to come out. And I said, give me your name. It said some name and laughed at me. And I tried to cast it out by that name. And it spit in my face through her. She spit in my face. My wife was right there by me. I said, Oh, Jesus. Why am I the one that always gets in this circumstance? The pastor was up on the platform getting everybody to pray and everything. I'm like, Man, he's a pastor. He should be down here doing this. Why am I doing this? But somebody's got to do it. I knew I was close enough. If I didn't do it, uh, she might rip my shirt off or something, you know. She was snapping her head back like she was going to break her neck. I had my hands underneath her head like this to keep her from going under. And uh, the Holy Spirit said, well, bind the lying and the mocking spirits. I said, I bind you lying and mocking spirits in the name of Jesus Christ. And you know what? They shut up. They didn't spit in my face they didn't lie to me and then i said well lord what now he said well tell it to give you its control the controlling spirit's name or you're going to curse it to a dry place you're going to count to five i said i'm going to curse you to a dry place at the count of five by the authority of jesus christ i commanded and i got to four and that thing ripped out a name I blood-curdling name. I said, out now, such and such. I'm glad I don't remember the name of that thing. I don't want to be on a, on a neighborly <laughs> basis with it. And, and that thing let out a scream and a screech, and out it went. And then she just went limp. She threw up. And then I led her in a sinner's prayer Then I said, now let the Holy Spirit fill you. And She was speaking in other tongues laying on the floor. Then I got her to get up, and she said, what happened to me? She did not remember what happened. She didn't know what was going on. That thing just had her knocked out, you know. But they were gone. She was set free, filled with the Spirit. The devil she was a stripper pole dancer down in uh, up in Fenton at a strip bar and then she lived with this old man during the week while she did that and then she lived with the lesbian on the weekends she was wild but she was set free and it was amazing what God does she was set free and I was wiped out when that Holy Ghost power goes through you and you deal with something, I'm going to tell you, you're physically tired. I think I went to Pantera's Pizza and had pizza after. But anyway. But God does a work. The enemy targets people around you. She was raised in a foster home part of the time by a family in that church before she left. And so that was her connection. She knew Jesus was at that church. That's why she came. She wanted to be touched by God's presence. Anyway, let's sixthly, for the sixth thing, Jesus shows up and he makes a person free indeed. As the brokenness in their life brings the opportunity for freedom. She was broken. And she needed freedom. So she came to the place of opportunity. And we need to be ready for these people because you know what? They're coming. They're going to be coming. Oh, yeah. We've seen them here already at times. They're going to come a lot more than what we've seen before. And we've got to be ready to love them and handle it. John 8 and 12 says, then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So, you see, number seven, the accused. But anyway, the accuser speaks falsehoods to put you on an emotional merry-go-round. But God's light always exposes the darkness. See, when the enemy comes in, he tries to get you distracted and get you to just spinning where you don't know what's next or how you're going to handle it or whatever. Whatever. But God's light always exposes the darkness. When you invite him in, it exposes your enemy. And you know what it is you're dealing with. And people can be set free when we have the light come and expose that darkness in them. The eighth thing is shame holds people captive to a false belief that you will never measure up to others. say, because you were this or that, maybe you can never be what Brother So-and-so is. Well, sometimes you just need to hear Brother So-and-so's testimony because he may have been worse than you back in the day. Sometimes somebody will say, I'm wild, And he was wilder. But now they're saved by grace. Yeah. It's amazing. But the devil tries to get you to think you can't be what your brother or sister in Lord is around you. But you can. Sometimes you can be more sometimes less is more and sometimes more is less you know what you're doing for the kingdom of God is important and so you know don't compare yourself with somebody else man I'll never preach crusades like Billy Graham it's just not my mode I do other things I pray for people get demons cast out and heal the sick and see miracles and Billy Graham primarily preached salvation, and he got millions of people saved. That's what God marked him for. And uh, you know, there's many people that move in different ways. I'll never be like Jesse Duplantis or Kenneth Copeland or some of those guys that preach, you know, on prosperity and such. I know God wants to prosper us, but that's not my message. See, So I'm not going to throw stones at them because they preach on certain topics. If it's not your cup of tea, listen to the one you need to listen to so you can grow. Amen? Here's a question for you. How can we cycle out of falsehoods and break out of the negative belief systems Of the enemy, because the enemy tries to get you caught up in a certain belief system and mess you up. And uh, you know what? It it all comes back to, I think Zach said this the other day. It's not about my truth or your truth. That's a fad today. Well, I've just got to say my truth. Your truth is not worth a hill of beans if it's not based on Jesus Christ. And the Bible, you know. What is your truth worth, you know? It's, it's just your story. It's history, if it's him, you know, historical. But the answer is we must realize we were created in his image. That's how man was created. And Genesis 1, 26 through 31 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, And if you notice, the word is our, it's a plural pronoun. And the word in the original is a plural for the Godhead. Let us, plural, make man in our image, plural, our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seeds, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seeds to you, it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. Then God saw everything that he had made and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Wow. But he made man in his likeness. He said, let us make man in our image. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We are spirit, soul, and body. We are blood, bones, and flesh. We are capillaries, veins, and arteries. Everything, if you look at it, is in threes. We are made in his image. Isn't that amazing? And he's, it's so intricate. Wow. It's just incredible how he's made us. But he made us in his image. And then... When Adam fell and sin entered and we needed Jesus so that we could get right with God and we could be changed in Second Corinthians five seventeen, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, saved by grace, filled with his love, filled with his spirit, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If you were into drugs, you're not a drug addict anymore. If you're into alcohol, you're not an alcoholic anymore. If you are a thief, you don't have to be a thief or a robber anymore. You can be honest. Whatever it is, he's changed us by his grace, his mercy, and his love. And he has made us a new creature. Old things pass away. They don't mean anything anymore. All things. Become new. You know, Jimmy Wagner has crossroads. They brought like 25 guys here last Wednesday night. Y'all notice that? Well, because he has a testimony. Some of those guys knew him before he came to know Jesus. He was wild. But God made him a new creation. Old things pass away. Now he's living for the Lord. And he's got a ministry. And people are glad, because not every church wants to deal with a bunch of guys that were off on drugs. But see, they they have a camaraderie. You notice when they come, sometimes they all say, Jesus, don't they? Same time. Yeah. Nelson likes to say that. I looked at that one guy, he was on the front row. He had the biggest smile. He was just enjoying himself so much. And, you know, when I see somebody enjoying themselves like that, it just eggs me on. And I have to say something else that's funny. You know, and then they laugh. And then you slip the surgeon knife in. Give them a little something extra. But we become brand new creatures. How awesome is that? So, the ninth thing is this you will not. Find your true identity outside of Christ. And his glory will cover you. See? The spirit of Christ covers you. It's glory. It's like a ball cap. It's like a canopy. An umbrella. It keeps the world off of you. We live in the world, but we're not of the world. When we're new creations. The, you know they talk about aliens, well, we are aliens in this world, in this land. It's what the Bible even says you know we're not aliens like you know area fifty seven or forty two or whatever it's called fifty one I knew it was something like that, but the tenth thing is this: do not entertain the accusations of your enemy but allow the delivering power of Jesus' blood to remove false information. And then receive your full salvation. Don't entertain what he says you are. You're not that anymore. You are a new creature. You're saved by Jesus Christ and his blood. You're not what you were. You're not a drug dealer. You're not a drug addict. You're not... A defeated person. You're not a depressed person anymore. You're not this. You're not that. The enemy tries to shame you. Don't entertain it. Joshua one five says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. When you have Jesus in your life, he says... Nobody can stand against you when I'm with you. Yeah. People say things to me. I witnessed to bikers down on the lakefront of New Orleans. I witnessed in the projects where they said I shouldn't go, but I went anyway. There's a lot of places I used to go. I wasn't married and I didn't have kids or grandkids then, so I was a little more risky. But, you know, I wasn't afraid because God said he would be with me. He'd never leave me nor forsake me. And then and in Hebrews 13 and 5, it says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Yeah, when you behave, you don't have to act like, Oh, I wish I had what he has. Hey, I could wish I could play the piano like Randy. Wouldn't do me any good. I couldn't take lessons and learn to play like that for the rest of my life. I might learn how to play something, but it wouldn't sound the way he plays it. He's not just playing with his hands. He's playing with his soul. You know. I I don't need to be covetous. I just need for Randy to be here. And <laughs> I don't have to play. But I can worship the Lord while He does it, you know. He says, Be content with such things as you have. Yeah. For He Himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. There it is again. He'll never leave you, He'll never forsake you. He says, Be content. You know, until God shows you something different until God does something different, you know. We were getting gas somewhere in Mississippi. Man, people were coming in and out there like you wouldn't believe. There's this one lady that's holding the line up. Well, give me a $5 pick three ticket or whatever. She was choosing all these lottery tickets, you know. Before long, she'd spent like $49. She didn't have that money to be throwing away. I know she went over there and looked at them. She didn't win anything. I only spent like $6, dollars and I got a nice ice cream cone <laughs> with chocolate on top and a soda and some chips and a coffee for my wife, you know. And I only spent 6 or $8, dollars, you know. I don't remember. I didn't spend no 49 You see, people, they have a hard time being content. And it's funny, you know, when you become content, then God says, well, I can give you this because you didn't, you know. I know it says, ask and you shall receive. But it wasn't like you needed that. But he says, I want to give you something better. So he gives you the better thing. You know? It's cool to watch God bless our lives. And what He does, He wants to restore us, rebuild us, renew us, replenish us, and help us to be better and do better than we did before. He'll correct us. I mean, He replaces things for us. I mean, it's wonderful. How God restores our lives. Hallelujah. Stand with me. Yes. Randy. never know when your hour comes are you ready it's good you were talking to him god wants us to be talking to people i love it when i get a chance to talk to somebody that needs to get right with god that's the people i like really talking to a lot well we'll pray for his family yeah well also john his grandmother, Sister Connie, that comes with Eugene, she had to go to the hospital last night, and she has COVID. And there's a wedding coming up, so we're praying. that. And it, her heart was being affected. So we believe for Connie right now and Eugene, Lord, that you'll keep your hand upon them, bring healing power to them. Let them not miss this wedding, Lord, we pray. And also... We pray for this family of Joe that passed away from the hospital. God, that Randy talked to. We pray that his heart was right with you. And God, that his family will choose you also. And that it be an opportunity for them to come to know you. In the middle of crisis, Lord, sometimes good things come. In spite of how hard it is and how much it hurts. We pray for deliverance and healing and comfort. And touch each one that's here tonight, God, and help them not to let the devil lie to them anymore. It's not time to be ashamed, but it's time to live in freedom and become everything he wants us to be. So in Jesus Christ's name, amen. All right. God bless all of you. Have a good evening. Men, I'll see you on Saturday if you can make it. We'll eat some.